Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Mark Chalmers, who's the CEO of Energy Fuels. Uh, they are a uranium, vanadium, and now a rare earths company. Great opportunity ahead of them. We discuss uh, that uh, and their plans for 2021. So if you want our thoughts on the conversation, their plans, the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports. There's commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos to help you with your diligence uh, before you invest. There are also summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you a bit of time. And of course, you should join our thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment. Uh, do go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Mark Chalmers, how are you doing, sir? I am excellent, Matt. I, how about you? I'm all good. I'm all good. But I think you've got more reason to be than me. It's been an interesting couple of weeks for you guys in the world of uranium and rare earths. It's been a very interesting few weeks. It's, it's been tiring, but it's been great. It's been wonderful, and um, we're very excited here at Energy Fuels. Well, I, I want to talk to you about that. We haven't spoken for a while, right? So I wanted to catch up on the, the world of uranium, first of all, but I do want to talk about the rare earth stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm excited because I've been speaking to a few people in the marketplace. I want to talk to you about that. But let's, let's, talk, let's talk uranium because you're a uranium company, first and foremost, um, about what's happening with this uranium reserve. Are you hearing anything? Because as, as we understand it, next Monday is the day when budgets get announced. Yeah, Look, it's um, it's in progress. Uh, you know, we've got the bipartisan support. Uh, there's a lot of buzz around it um, in the industry. Um, I, I have to say that, as I said before, you know, we we, we did an awful lot as a company uh, to, to to advance this. Um, I think the fact that uh, it has bipartisan support is very important. Uh, you know, the, the the Biden administration supports nuclear, particularly advanced nuclear. So I think we're, we're certainly seeing um, uh, change in the winds here. Uh, it took a long time, but it's not over yet until it's over. So I think um, yeah, it's, it's a very positive thing for, for the industry uh, and people that are concerned about um, carbon emissions. So uh, let's watch the space, but uh, it's, it's, it's not done yet, but it looks very encouraging. Again, we've spoken to a few uranium CEOs, um, you know, and it seems to be a sort of mixed response as to the significance of it. You know, you know, whether there is a budget put forward that uranium juniors can benefit from, whether U three hundred eight will be purchased from US, um, you know, juniors like yourself or not, and other some set matters, some set doesn't. It matters. Uh, it's a step. It, you certainly need um, improved global prices for uranium. It's um, it's kind of a unique arrangement if it actually goes through because it's not really a tradable material. It's it's it, it would be production for the U.S. government stockpile or reserve. So it really doesn't come into the market um, in terms of a tradable commodity. So it's it becomes part of the the, the U.S. government holding like an oil reserve. So. It's, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, it's not huge quantities. Um, it's not meant to, to support tin companies. It's meant to, uh, to give some assistance to probably two or three companies. So it isn't, 
it isn't everything, but it is just a step in the right direction. And it, it's a, uh, uh, would represent an endorsement of the government that they, they need a uranium industry in the United States and that nuclear power uh, is important uh, for the country going forward, as is having uh, for their nuclear powered ships and submarines. Right. But two or three, I assume you mean your energy, energy fuels, and uh, is a peninsula in there? I'm not going to name out who it should be, but uh, I think that it, obviously the focus should be on proven producers that have a history of production. Uh, they know their projects work. Um, they can demonstrate they work. It's it's not the time to go into experimental mode. Right. Okay. So I'm trying to, again, the question has been sent in, you know, why would the U.S. government, whether it be the U.S. Department of Defense, want to stockpile U-308? What's the purpose? Yeah, the purpose is is that uh, we have a long history of producing uranium and nuclear fuel products uh, in the United States. We know that's all you know broken down, particularly over the last 10 or 15, 20 years. Um, so this this helps keep that those capabilities in place, uh, at least while you're seeing um, you know the, the the renewed interest in nuclear power. I still say that it's, it's, it's been remarkable from my perspective, the interest in the small modular reactors. There are many companies that have entered that space, including I, I saw the other day that Rolls-Royce was talking about uh, small modular reactors, um, New Scale, um, TerraPower, others, uh, and, 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 and many of them got some funding from their governments. So, look, I think now is not the time to to, to walk away from nuclear, it's a time to focus on nuclear. I think that's right. Like, and I, you know, and we've had a lot of discussions over the course of this year, 2020, um, with regards to why the need to protect the US uh, capabilities for producing uranium. So let, we'll not go over old ground there, but um, just just looking at the, the numbers that may be involved in the budget next week, next Monday's the day they expect it is. Have you got any indications as to what sort of price that people would be willing to pay, the, the government are willing to pay, given it's at under 30, 30 bucks today? It's short on details. So that, that's something that's going to have to be worked out. So we will just have to see, um, Matt, but it's important that um, that the what, whatever's put in place uh, is practical and functional and is sustainable. So you know, we're going to be certainly pushing for a sustainable outcome here. Um, it's it's um, and it's important, but but I want to go back to on why the government would do this, and and I've said this many times is you're talking about the United States, the largest consumer of uranium nuclear products in the world. So we consume like thirty to thirty five percent of the world's uranium when you look at our our, our power program and 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 military. So uh, you know why would you not still want to have um, at least the basic steps of that fuel cycle still in place in good working order in the U.S. So it's, it's, it's from my perspective, it's, it's a no-brainer when you look at the uh, attention that's being placed on uh, critical uh, minerals and materials uh, around the world. Okay. So do you think, I know we, we talked again last time we spoke, you, you got rid of your debt, your debt-free um, have you this year, looking back, have you put yourself in the best position to go forward into 2021 um, if the U.S. government don't step in? Well, 
I think that um, the, the 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 first step is 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 we believe that um, the government should buy um, existing inventories from from companies that have inventories and and frankly there aren't many. I think it's it's us and UR Energy. Um, we have quite substantial inventory of around seven hundred thousand pounds that we've produced uh, even during the period of this this low market environment. And, and, and what's interesting is some people say, well, ISR is the lowest cost and, and conventional is too expensive. Well, we're the only ones that kept producing and we produce mainly from our conventional assets um, through different sources. And so I think that speaks volumes that, uh, that you know, it is possible to produce uranium, not necessarily huge quantities or small quantities, but, but we continue to produce uranium. So, so we're hopeful that um, these inventories can, can be, uh, and, and really the inventories would be the first material that could go into the reserve because others have to start up operations that may take them a year or two to even be able to produce any uranium. So, so the first step we think is, is the inventories. Um, and then uh, the next step is, is to start uh, ramping up at least a, a few operations that can start filling the reserve, uh, looking out a, a year or two. And um, so, but we think that the, 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 the inventory, in, in our case, if we can sell that at, at, at elevated prices, um, that gives us a real strong balance sheet to start developing um, some of our projects. Right, and I guess you're not obligated to sell until you, they, you're offered a price that works for you guys. That's what you mean by elevated. We, we, we've held our inventories uh, close to our, our chest um, for good reason, because we felt that the price of uranium had to go up and you're not getting a lot of um, value and money in the bank right now from an interest perspective. So uh, both the uranium inventories we have um, and the vanadium inventories we have, uh, between the two of them, you're looking at around $30 million of inventories, finished goods that can be um, sold uh, very quickly uh, when the time is right. Okay, so if we look back at 2020, lots of catalysts, didn't really change uh, spot price. Utilities haven't been contracting, but we have seen a significant impact on supply with Kazat on Prong, uh, Cameco, Andrew Cameco, again, recently shutting down, uh, and, and others too. Do you think that has dramatically changed the timelines that um, you're looking to? I, I think it has. I mean, people always worry about, you know, the inventories and, you know, what's being held in Japan. And, and uh, I saw an uh, article from Trade Tech that said in 2020, uh, the delta between demand and um, newly mined material was about 70 million pounds is what they were estimating for 2020. So that's a, that's a, that's a big gap there. It doesn't take a lot of years of that to, to mop up uh, uh, a lot of um, uh, uh, uranium inventory. So, so it's, 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 it's all seeming to kind of line up. Um, and, you know, we, we need, um, we need some, some new um, and, uh, momentum here as, as the uranium demand increases. A lot of projects are being depleted. Uh, you've got Ranger shutting down in uh, January of, uh, in, in another month or so uh, permanently. That was a big supplier of uranium for decades. 
Uh, you've got some shutdowns in Niger and, and some of the mines in Kazakhstan are mining out um, like projects like Akdala. So, so there's a, there's a lot coming off, including, including Olympic dam announced they were not going to expand. So, so it, and I've said this to you before, it isn't usually about any one thing. It's about three, four, five things working in concert that all of a sudden you get a pinch point. So I, I think, I think the future's looking better every year and, and people have been saying that for the last five or six years, but I think it's, it's really starting to come together for the, for improved market conditions. Yeah, I mean, if I look at the stock market, uranium uh, companies have been the beneficiary of a few of those things coming together at, at, at this time. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys have doubled its share price, which obviously you got to be happy about. Um, how much do you, how much of that would you put down to um, this euphoria at the moment awaiting this U.S. reserve, or is it? Do you think the generalists have recognized the uranium story at last? Because it's, I'm trying to work it out because there's been so much promotion. There's been so much promotion, so much said in the market, but I'm not quite sure what's real and what's not over the last two weeks. It's, it's hard to tell, Matt, but I, I think it's a, a combination of them both, obviously. Um, realization that um, you know, nuclear is, 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 is a big part of the future in energy supply. Um, and the uranium reserve, I think that um, um, I think people are more comfortable with the change of administration uh, with uh, Biden's platform supporting nuclear. And, um, and, and in the bipartisan bill, you had Cory Booker supporting nuclear. Um, so I, I think that, that the, the uncertainty is starting to kind of move away a little bit. Uh, people see the, the, the delta in um, consumption versus supply. They see these supply disruptions. So it's a lot of things, but I, I, it, it has been um, uh, a big upswing for, for almost everyone in the uranium space, uh, which is good to see because it's, it's just been sort of you know, spiraling down uh, since Fukushima. So it's good to see uh, some energy come back in and uh, investor sentiment uh, increasing substantially. Are you hearing anything about contracting in the marketplace? Uh, look, we're, we, we are seeing um, uh, some utilities out. It's been very quiet. It's pretty quiet going into Christmas. Uh, I think that, you know, more clarity on the Russian suspension agreement um, uh, took off a little bit of the pressure because there was this, this, this bridging uh, through the, the RSA um, uh, over the next uh, few years. So that took a little bit of the pressure away from it. But I think that at the same time, uh, the fact that the Russian suspension agreement will not allow unfettered uh, product coming into the United States and 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 starts to ratchet this down over time, uh, but not 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 like it's we still get caught in this this issue where uh, people like cheap people don't want to be dependent on Russia they don't want to be dependent on China but oh you mean it's going to cost me another five percent or ten percent more. Uh, geez, I, I, I want to go cheap. So I, I haven't figured out how you fix that yet, but it's, um, it's a problem. And until people realize that, that all uh, suppliers are not created equal, um, I, I, I don't know when we're going to get away from that. But, but people still uh, typically go cheap. And, um, but 
hopefully that'll that's making a turn now after COVID or once COVID gets finally behind us. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I understand that mentality. I think that's the same the world over, no matter what uranium or, or other topics. Um, tell me this. It, we've seen a lot of new young entrants, uh, you know, people, companies going public, uranium companies going public. Have you been approached by anyone um, in the hope that you'll offload some of your uh, assets or have you been trying to offload any of your assets? We've been actively um, trying to sell um, a few of our, our non-core assets. They're very good assets, actually. They're very good. It's just, it's just we have so many assets that we don't have time to, to give them the attention that they need. Um, and, and when we are advancing there, we have parties that we're talking to on that front. Um, the, the problem we've had is time. We've been so busy with everything we're doing um, that, that we we, we, we got to get back to that that uh, initiative and and what we're trying to do is uh, with these non-core assets that we don't think we're getting value in the marketplace is we're trying to take kind of a partner approach with with others on that front uh, for example providing the only toll milling agreements a very favorable toll milling agreement uh, that that doesn't um, uh, really you know hurt the 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 those assets from a, a cost of milling perspective, but be kind of a partner so that we do get value out of those assets rather than just having a list of seven or eight different projects and people kind of go to sleep after the first two or three. So, so it's it's all about trying to create more value for our shareholders. Uh, but it is it is it is advancing, but it's just been so busy that uh, we got to refocus on that, and we probably will. Uh, during the holidays, because it'll be a little quieter. Okay. Question sent in. Is there any news on purchase of their secondary mines with a milling agreement? Not sure I quite understood the question. Well, right now, I don't know if I fully understand the question either, but right now we do not have a milling agreement with anyone. So we see that this, this divestment opportunity where we partner with another group um, will be the, 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 the current only valid um, milling agreements in place. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're still not going to be open to other milling agreements potentially in time, but right now we want to, to add value, again, with, with where we are, with, with what our assets are, that if somebody partners with us and we actually uh, put together a very favorable milling agreement with that group, that increases value with to that group and us as partners with them uh, in a way that, that we can work um, and create value because of our asset base. So, so, <clears throat> so yeah, we, we don't have any milling agreements yet, but, but hopefully we will soon with the people that partner with us on those um, non-core but good assets. What about other people? Because there's a lot of people out there who are definitely going to be using your mind. I've been told. Well, we've we've been around that uh, merry-go-round a few times, Matt. Um, we'll, we just—I'm not going to say no to anything, but but uh, step at a time. First million agreement will be those that are partnering with us on these core assets. Okay, okay. non-core. Um, I really wanted to talk to you about rare earths. We've been talking to lots of rare earth companies. We've been talking to lots of rare earth. Uh, consultants, people who've been around the block, been in it for 40, some cases, 50, 50 years, you know, so we, we, we're learning a lot. Um, 
I asked one, we were, t- we were talking about what's the, what's the likelihood of companies who are in the rare earth space, as you're about to be, um, being successful without um, China being involved somewhere in that, in that supply chain. And um, the answer I got was, there's only one company who can do it without China being involved. You never guess who they said. Let me guess. <laughs> it was you. It was you. So yeah. I, I just I, I was. It is. It is. It's very exciting. Uh, the the rare earths um, focus that we've taken. We I think we've made just significant progress. We announced in April. We're getting in. We 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 knew the White Mesa Mill could play a very important role because we can extract the uranium from these um, feed sources. Mo- a lot of your um, rares have uranium in it and we can extract the uranium because we have the facility and, and the permits um, to do that and a long history doing that. Um, and, and we also recognize early on that we would, we would team with some of the, the, the world's most successful experts in, in the area. And, and that's given us a lot of traction because I've had people call me up and say, Mark, we, we like you, but we, we like uh, Constantine better. And so we're going to buy your shares because we think you're, you're building the right type of a, of, of a vehicle on, on the rare earths. The announcement we made on Monday with Kimors, uh, very exciting. Uh, Kimors based in the United States and um, mining monazite um, in the Florida, Georgia region. Uh, very high grade. Um, 50. I, I say that the, the Camors uh, monazite uh, agreement, it's like this cigar lake, um, the MacArthur River of the uranium business. It's, it's very high grade. It's, it's 50, 50 to 60 percent grade total rare earths. It's got very good distributions of, of um, the magnet uh, elements, uh, NDPR and, and, and the heavies. So, uh, you know, what's not to get excited about? So this first agreement represents... Uh, in terms of contained rares, about 10% of the U.S. requirements. Uh, we believe Camorras is, um, um, has the ability to ramp up the quantities that we're talking about to maybe you know two to two and a half times what uh, this initial agreement is. And other people are showing up at the door. People are taking notice of what we're doing. And um, so it's been very busy, but it's been a great busy man. Yeah, for, no, for sure. And I, like I say, I sort of encourage, I, I, I didn't recognize, you know, I know we'd spoken, but I didn't recognize the extent of what you, the capability of the White Mason Mill would allow you to do, to participate in, and what it could mean. It was described by one of these experts as being a U.S. hub for rare earths. I mean, that, that's how positive people are looking at what you're trying to do there. And, and I think the, the the problem, and I'll lay this out for the club members after we get off the call, you know, as to what the, what the macro uh, situation is with China. But um, the the opportunity with Comores is is what? So it's a three-year three uh, term to extract uranium and rare earths from monazite. Is that right? So what sort of quantities are we it's talking about? It's a three-year take or pay. It's... Uh, it's a minimum of 2,500 uh, tons per year. Uh, it can be greater than that. And um, the material that we're securing um, was going to China, um, but they, they, they believe that, well, one, it's a long ways from 
uh, Camor's operations to China. And so um, White Mesa is much closer. So you've got a shipping advantage. Uh, it's this higher grade um, monocyte material that I mentioned. And um, so we are able to um, get this initial agreement. We, 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 we hope to have a long history with Camor's. Uh, they appreciate um, the importance of having uh, critical mineral uh, material production in the United States. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a first step. And, and we wanted to show uh, the market that we had made this first step. It's by no means uh, the final step. We, we've got to increase the quantities more to get the economics of scale. And um, we want to be in a position to, uh, to, to move to separation, which is the next step of the process of uh, separations. Um, hopefully the, the first in the United States to do that and perhaps metals and alloys. So we want full integration. We're, we're, we're looking at full integration. And, and uh, you, right now, when you start looking at those that are advancing in the space in a bigger way, you have uh, MP materials, which is a market cap of $4 billion. And they raise $500 million. And, and that's great. That's great. We, we've got a number of the people that worked at Mountain Pass in Molly Core that have joined our team. And so here we are at $400 million. And, and we, we think we're going to show our shareholders that this is able to have capacity to growth and, and grow quickly. And then you've got Linus in, in Australia. They've got a market cap of $3 billion um, U.S., and they go through separation, um, and, and they're advanced. They're probably the, the, the biggest supplier non-China uh, in the world. So, so we're thinking big here. We're thinking big. I, I can't guarantee exactly where this will go, but, but when I can compare um, two companies, a $4 billion company and a $3 billion company, we're $400 million, why not be excited? We're going to grow this um, with uranium still, our core business, we're going to grow this. And, um, and I don't know anybody that can say that they have such uh, uh, an advantage in both those sectors as we do at this stage of the game. It's, 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 yeah, it's very interesting times for sure. If you're going to be fully and are able to deliver a fully integrated solution, it puts you in a kind of category of one here, and we'd like a category of one company at Crux Investor for sure. Um, there's a few steps to go. I know you've got all the right people, ex Molly Corbett, XMP people, Constantine uh, Karianopoulos as, as well in there from NEO. So you're piecing together, but how long is this going to take? Are you going to need to raise capital to you know upgrade the plant? Or you get, I mean, how does this thing move forward? What should people be looking for? The first step we want to to you know ramp up the commercialization of this rare earth carbonate, um, so that's the first step. And that, to do that, uh, we the max we had to spend to 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 retrofit the plant was two million dollars. So it was absolutely almost nothing. We're using existing equipment. So so we want to take that step. Um, we are looking for supply agreements to to do uh, separation for us while we don't have those capabilities uh, to move to separation. <coughs> we're, we're planning to try to do separation with existing infrastructure at the mill in 2021. Now figure that out. If we can make a, a, a rare earth carbonate and do separation using existing 
solvent extraction capacity that we have at the mill. Now that will definitely surprise the market. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to try it. Um, we're not afraid to try things, uh, but, but there will need to be additional investment and, and, and to put it into uh, context, uh, we, we think the investment uh, separation, and I'm not giving engineered numbers, but in the order of about $100 million to move the separation, uh, in the order of maybe 50 to $75 million to move the, the metal and alloy. So, so $150, $200 million, we think we can have full integration. Now, we have to follow up with, with um, engineered estimates. Uh, we have hired a group that, that has a, a reputation of being the world leaders in, in, in those steps. And so I'm excited about that. We'll start looking at some scoping studies in uh, the new year. So, uh, but again, when you look at our strike rate with capital, it's remarkable because most people to do what we're trying to do are talking billions of dollars, billions. We're talking a couple hundred million. So, so step-by-step, step, we've got to secure the feed. We've got to show that we can make the carbonate, um, which, which, which we're already doing at scale. And then we move to separations and um, look for full integration in time and try to build up a company that that's not hundreds of millions. It's looking towards those uh, three to four billion dollar companies that currently exist. Okay, you you went through a process with the Section Two Three Two petition. You had dealings with government, so I, I would like you to answer this question in that context, which is. Um, again, the conversations we've had with all these experts from around the world and rare are saying it's very difficult for a company to compete against a state-owned enterprise, a Chinese competition. Do you think that the U.S. government, who are talking the language of we want a non-reliance on China, uh, you, you know, made in the USA type of approach, do you think this is something that they can they step into? And if they don't, is it something the, this sorts of money you're talking about, 150 to 200 million, that you can go and get yourselves? Look, it's I think it's important to have some support from the U.S. government um, because of the you know national security implications of being dependent on some of these uh, countries like China and Russia and the state-owned enterprises. Um, I, I'm excited that we don't need huge support. Um, we think that our position, uh, again, assuming we can we can build on these monetized supplies, uh, we're going to be um, one of the world leaders in terms of cost competitiveness and production um, because of the uniqueness of the low strike rate for capital. And we think from an operating cost perspective, we're going to be as competitive as you can be outside of these state-owned enterprises. Uh, Utah, great place to do business in. Uh, we've got very uh, good skills um, and have had them for 40 years at the mill. Um, we understand solvent extraction, the, the cost of doing business in Utah when it comes to things like power, people, um, is, 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 is excellent. It's, it's cheaper than a lot of these other countries like Europe or Australia, uh, much more expensive. So, so there's just so many positives to this story, um, but we still have to, to get it done. Um, the other thing I wanna say, Matt, is that um, now that uh, this, this agreement with Comores has been signed and, and a take or pay, I'm gonna start talking to end users of the rare earth products I'm going to start talking to the Teslas, the General Motors, the Siemens, 
And uh, I think that the progress we've made and the team we've built um, and the people we're, we're dealing with, like Kim Ors, is going to be a very compelling story for rare earths uh, and what we're doing with our critical mineral hub, the uranium, vanadium, uh, and also we hope to still do uh, cleanup work on the Navajo Nation, uh, a project I'm deeply committed to. Okay. Mark, nice run through. I'm very excited about the rare earth opportunity for you. You've mentioned some you know, big numbers there. Um, I appreciate you've also got the uranium business and vanadium business. Does who, what, which one takes uh, pr, you know, um, precedent for you? We, 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 we try to make sure we give equal balance to both of them. Um, and uranium is our core business. Matt, you know I've been doing the uranium business for almost 45 years. Um, and we're in a unique place. I, I, I still believe we're in the best place in the uranium business in the entire United States. And um, I mean, who would think that not only could we be the, in my opinion, the top uranium play in the United States, but also potentially uh, be the top, or if not the top, the second top rare earth play in the United States, if, if not um, all of North America or the Americas. So, so, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're running on both of those um, sectors and focus very, very uh, intently on both of them to give them equal balance. Uh, but it, I, I, I don't even know how you can describe energy fuels and as far as um, a peer group. There is no peer group for us. Critical minerals? <laughs> seems to be, yeah, you've, you, you're, you're hitting all the critical minerals, uh, it seems. I feel blessed. I feel blessed with, with what we're doing. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a doer. I'm not an over-promoter. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. Uh, there's still risk in this business, but we're going to do everything possible to, to, to move forward. And I use this phrase, um, we, we, we're going to be aggressive, but we're not going to be reckless. And we know what we don't know. Okay, Mark, appreciate uh, the call. Lovely to hear from you. Sounds like a big year next year. Stay in touch and let us know how things are going. Uh, we'd be delighted to take that phone call. We'll keep you informed and have a Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, 2020 was a wild year, so let's see what's in store for 2021. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.